Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Autosport Magazine and Autosport.com, I'm Luke Smith, and this is the Autosport Podcast. More than 50,000 Dutch fans have descended on the Red Bull ring for this weekend's Austrian Grand Prix, and Max Verstappen was not going to let them down. After scoring pole position on Friday in qualifying, the reigning world champion picked up the maximum eight points on offer in today's sprint race, extending his lead at the top of the driver's standings. It was a race that saw Verstappen go lights to flag and rarely face any threat from behind, as the Ferrari duo of Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz were left to squabble between themselves, while George Russell was a lonely fourth for Mercedes, bouncing back from a big crash in qualifying. We also saw Mick Schumacher put up some brilliant defence against Lewis Hamilton, Fernando Alonso failed to start, and there was even some controversy off track as Sebastian Vettel was sanctioned for storming out of the driver's briefing on Friday night by the FIA. To recap all of today's action in Spielberg, on the way back to our Airbnb after both completing a track run, I am joined by Autosport F1 editor Matt Q. Uh, Matt, firstly, how was your track run? It was okay. Obviously, it's very hilly up to turn one, and then even more steep into turn three and you get to turn three and you think oh I've cracked this it's all downhill from here and you just come around the right hand and there's about another 50 feet of elevation and at that point I had a bit of a sense of humour failure 
but then just let my legs sort of carry me the rest of the way down on the downhill. So it was, uh, it was all good, thank you. It's a nice, uh, nice release of endorphins after a, a good few days. Excellent. We hope that does come across in tonight's podcast. I will say this is probably the toughest track run of the season, but it is uh, always good fun. But anyway, the more important on-track matters today, of course, was Max Verstappen once again out of reach, it seemed like. Was there any way anyone could have stopped him today? I'm going to say no. But that doesn't mean he can't be caught in a Grand Prix. And this is uh, something I've been writing about this evening, uh, doing our uh, uh, analysis based on sort of practice times uh, from this morning and uh, the sprint race. So the way I've done it is uh, obviously Leclerc and Sainz were clearly tripping over one another again. You know, a bit of a legacy from Silverstone. And while they may protest that it's all in hand, you can tell from some body language in the press conference that this is this is, uh, this is irksome for them uh, again. But when they sort of had finished... Uh, fooling around getting it wrong essentially Verstappen was three seconds up the road and at the flag he's 1.6 seconds uh, so that margin has sort of been cut in half and you can look at that as perhaps Verstappen easing off but I've been doing doing some analysis of this and basically Verstappen's admitted to taking too much out of his tyres too soon so uh, if you remember back to the Emilia Romana sprint race that's the exact inverse of what happened there where Leclerc bolted off and then took too much out of it and sort of left himself prey to Verstappen only uh, only Verstappen in uh, Imola hadn't been uh, tooling around with Sergio Perez to fall so far back so take the uh, Ferrari teammate squabble out of the equation and, and Leclerc could have been there or thereabouts and uh I was asking Verstappen afterwards sort of uh, the state of the RBA team because he had a really sloppy lap but still got pole and qualifying's been the only weakness really of the RBA team since it stopped sort of going pop in the early races. And he said, no, we still have a weakness and it's uh, we're overweight. This Adrian Newey car is, is not down at the weight limit and we know that a lot of cars have struggled uh, with the sort of uh, getting down to the minimum weight limit because of the crash structures. I'll try and keep this brief, but let's take, let's say it's, it's five kilos over. That in race trim, when you're on full fuel, isn't much. But when you take 100 kilos of fuel out on your qualifying run or at the end of a stint or at the end of a race, sorry, whether that be sprint or a full Grand Prix distance, again, it's become a bit more pronounced. So take away the Ferrari squabble put Leclerc in DRS range with a bit of a faster car at the end as as the time show he was a faster driver maybe there's something for Ferrari to fight for and sort of cause a bit of a Red Bull upset brilliant analysis I must say Matt we're going to have that full article up on autosport.com it is up uh, it's up already wow fantastic great work by our autosport editorial desk so uh, yeah make sure you do go and have a read of that you mentioned the Ferraris and their squabbling Talk about that body language a bit. What did you pick up in the press conference? Obviously, both Leclerc and Science were there. Uh, when they came into the pen, even though they just walked past, they seemed pretty... There was no sort of, like, chatting or sort of matiness between them. It was all seemed pretty pretty stern and getting on with things. How were they in the presser? Short answers, which is uh, probably most unusual for Carlos Science. He can be really eloquent where he wants. We get a good few sort of stories out of him. So that's, that's one thing to take from it. Two, how they sort of potentially deviated off script. It started like, oh... Um, Oh, uh, oh, we wouldn't have caught Verstappen if we hadn't have been sort of tripping over one and each other. So it's fine. We haven't really lost too much. And then the answers were sort of, they pressed a bit more on that by a uh, press conference, Tom Clarkson and then the journalists in the room. And it just, the guards sort of just slipped that actually, like, we can't be doing this tomorrow. We can't be doing this tomorrow. And then most telling of all was the final answer, like, do we need team orders for tomorrow? And both of them pretty much said, ask Mattia and killed their answer there. And uh, neither of them are perhaps like a, in a, Daniel Ricciardo's fear of being sort of so bubbling, you know, always struggling to sort of conceal their smile. But this was this was definitely not even downbeat. I'd say I'd put it frustration. 
Ask Matia. That's very, very interesting. That's kind of the, the summation of what they had to say. Because it was actually something that was put to Matia Bonotto in the earlier press conference, early in the day. So that takes place on a Saturday morning before FP2 today. Bonotto was asked about team orders, obviously in the wake of what happened at Silverson, the strategy there and everything. And uh, firstly, he denied a report in the Italian press that was actually written by a former Ferrari press officer, citing a source claiming that some of the Ferrari team members had refused to go to the podium at Silverstone because of uh, their frustration over what had happened and the clerk losing the race after leading because of the strategy call. Um, and uh, But he, he said he went and checked that with the team to make sure that wasn't the case, and it definitely wasn't. He said that he and Charles Leclerc sort of talked about things and they were laughing at these incorrect reports. But he was also talking about team orders, and he said, basically, you're always, you're always wrong. If you put in team orders... Everyone's really angry because you've used team orders. And he mentions here in Austria in 2002 when Ferrari asked Barrichello to move aside for Michael Schumacher. He said, I remember the booing. And uh, he said, but then if we don't do team orders, then your cars are fighting and they'll trip over each other and we'll have issues like Silverstone. So it kind of feels like you can't really win. Do, do you sympathise with that a little bit? No, I don't. And I go for two reasons. I know it's a bit flat out. Um, we've, already had a, <laughs> we've already had a team orders debate this season and that was Spain. And we're arguing... Was it too early for Red Bull to impose Verstappen ahead of Perez? Well, one answer to that is a slightly intangible. Did it then motivate Perez to go and win in Monaco? In which case, fine, that's good. Maybe maybe signs or Leclerc, you know, it's probably more more signs that's going to fall foul of uh, team orders. Maybe maybe he can be sort of incentivised by it to close the gap. Uh, and the other thing is, just just is it not is it not does it make more sense as sort of uh, your, your percentage chance or something that if you've got two cars fighting each other sort of let's say lap after lap they crash you get no points is it not better just to establish an order and i know ferrari really need to be doing some heavy lifting to close the gap but when it comes to writing their press release or evaluating the day a 3-4 has got to be better than a double dnf or one car's crushing so again i think asserting team orders yes it's going to upset one of the drivers science must surely understand that he dropped the ball uh, early in the season it took him a time to get acclimatized to this car he crashed in australia he must understand there are consequences that not only mathematical in terms of being behind the clerk in the championship but also maybe he'll have to play second fiddle and okay he can use the rest of the season to really nail what makes his car tick either come on late in the season and really ask a question of Ferrari or come fighting out the box in 2023. Perhaps it's too early to give up on a season, but, you know, Ferrari are decorated. When Ferrari are in the fight, uh, F1 is good. They're not doing that at the moment. They need to sort of uh, be a bit more firm. And, and yes, yes, it's harsh, but there's a reason why Red Bull are, are walking away with this championship, not just down to imposing team orders, but surely you'd look, at, look to copy the, the blueprint team. You mentioned about needing to do the heavy lifting there and one team that really has to do that overnight was Mercedes after both George Russell and Lewis Hamilton crashed out in Q3 yesterday. Toto Wolff, he talked about it in the press conference this morning and he said it was like someone had dropped a Lego car in the garage because of all the pieces that were that were everywhere. It was a big job by Mercedes because we were under park for May conditions. They couldn't even break the curfew to work later hours on the car than normal. So it meant Russell only got out on track about 15 minutes into FP1 Lewis Hamilton only got on track with about 15 minutes remaining in the session, so not a full day for them. But uh, Russell ended up uh, a fairly lonely fourth, I think it's fair to say, in the, in the sprint. He uh, he said that maybe he expected a little bit more in terms of pace. Lewis Hamilton, he was a bit more downbeat. He spent a lot of that race squabbling Mick Schumacher for eighth place and a single point. But he said that the car doesn't feel quite right after the crashes and everything that's been done. Had to undergo a chassis change as well. How impressed are you by the recovery by Mercedes given the crashes? Were you maybe expecting a little bit more given... The the upbeat 
noises we had coming out of the team since these updates? First off, I really appreciated Toto's analogy. I'm a big Lego fan, so that's Me something too. I could... What is your favourite Lego set, Matt Q? Oh, well, uh, it's not mine, it's my brother's, but it was like a early 2000s run of Lego Technic Formula 1 cars. And the reason my fav- they're my favourite is because I'm a very materialistic person. I think they're flogging for about 800 quid on eBay, wow. so I'll take that one. Wow, very, very nice. I- I've got the McLaren, this year's McLaren one they released, but I think with the original stickers, which, and it's still, I haven't yes. put it out of the box, so apparently that's gone up in value. I should also add, I've got a, my favourite one is the DV5 Lego one with all the oh, Bond gadgets. Nice, uh, nice. And I-, I bought a set of lights and I've plumbed those in, so it's- oh. it illuminates the room. Uh, oh. Oh, wow. I would say it's good for entertaining, but you show them your Lego Aston Martin and... Uh, they they and leave quite quickly, don't they? Absolutely. I think the interesting place to start with the Mercedes is that, um, as Toto, these were two cases of snap oversteer. So, was it wind? Which I think Lando Norris had said, you know, it's Yeah, he, he was in the um, pen watching the Lewis replay, and um, one of our colleagues sort of said, oh, Lando, like, what do you think? And Lando went, yeah, wind. He thought it was a wind that well, caught him out. So I asked that, and then the other sort of get out of jail free clause offered was that Mercedes have clearly taken a step forward in terms of one lap pace. They were a credible pole threat, probably as, as per their calculation would have ended up sort of a tenth, tenth and a half a drift. But they were in the fight; they were going to make it interesting. So the fact that they both had really similar incidents of snap over stay was that a case that they had almost reached a critical limit with balance and found a bit of an instability in the aero had stalled. Wolf said no to those but did say his drivers have been a bit more confident in this tricky to drive car and carried 10 kilometers extra into the corners i take that to mean that's a driver error and he's being a very diplomatic way about that they carried too much speed and and, and got it wrong even if the car is difficult you've got to drive to its limitations anyway yeah like you say russell had a lonely race uh probably probably as expected Expected, uh, I would have thought, sort of behind behind the top three with Perez obviously doing a bit of a recovery drive and ahead of everywhere else. And and Hamilton, good good progress initially was up, uh, you know was uh, with all the sort of turn one drama with Gasly getting turned around, picked up a few few places and and you know was fighting uh, with uh, Williams. And then he obviously got stuck behind the Haas cars, and it's one of those. Do you put it down to just this being a short lap? limited overtaking opportunities that Mercedes with DRS not being as quick as a Ferrari engine so sort of not a great day this is not the Brazil sprint race of last year where over the weekend he comes from the back of the grid to win but in the context of 2022 Mercedes not their worst day at the office no it was still odd to see Lewis Hamilton out there fighting with the Haas of Mick Schumacher I want to come on to Haas next because they after what I mean a pretty good result let's say another couple of points on the board for them both inside the top 10 for tomorrow's Grand Prix for a team that's had a a bit of an up and down season I think that that's a, a success Mick Schumacher, he wasn't particularly pleased after the sprint. He said that he thought that Haas should have swapped the cars round, that he had more pace than Kevin Magnussen, that that way they would have got 7th and 8th instead of the 7th and ninth that they got in the end. And uh, he kept asking over the radio about swapping, and Haas said to him, no, we're not doing it. Uh, our esteemed colleague, Stuart Codling, who is at the wheel of our very fine Audi A4, it must be uh, noted, he went and spoke to Gunter after Gunter Steiner, the Haas team principal, after the sprint, and uh, Steiner explained that no, that it wasn't the case at all. That the driver behind is always going to be quicker because of DRS. So actually, looking at the, the times and monitoring the data, it was completely the right call to keep the drivers where they were. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think Haas played it right, guaranteeing two points instead of trying to risk it for three? And also, Mick Schumacher. I mean, even though he's okay ninth, not scored a point today, this is a pretty good run of form from him. Yep. Uh, yeah, he's he's obviously. Uh, maybe it's premature to say turn a corner after a string of big shunts, but he's confident, he's quick, uh, and there's there's the the gap 
to Magnussen if there it's a case of if, if there is one now because throughout qualifying and the sprint race today they were very evenly matched. Um, I'm going to sort of be a bit of a hypocrite having come down so hard one on one side with Ferrari team orders and say that probably in this case Haas had a we're probably right to play it safe and it, it offers a good test run uh, for for the full Grand Prix. And the reason I say that is because. You know, we knew that last year was a write-off. They had two inexperienced car, uh, drivers and a bad car, and they piled their resources into the new regs. But it hasn't really paid off. They haven't, you know, taken huge strides up. They've been a bit, you know, after a promising start to the season, they've been a bit lost towards the back of the midfield. They haven't updated their car anywhere near as uh, significantly as the others. But they have this really good base on uh, baseline. They understand what makes it tick. So I'm going to say that. Um, Yes, they haven't got points today for the sprint race, but if you translate that tomorrow, uh, getting a, a, a seventh and a ninth double points finish is really respectable when they're trying to do that midfield fight. And that potentially, I'm going to say, sort of risk versus reward. If Magnussen checks his pace to allow Schumacher to close, does Hamilton then get by both of them rather than just one and then you lose more points as a result? So I'm going to say probably, probably conservative with small C strategy, but maybe a smart one. That was exactly the point Gunsteiner made as well. So, uh, yes, you guys are on the on the same page there. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Um, so, yes, those were the point scorers from today's Austria sprint race. Also worth mentioning, Sergio Perez fought his way from 13th up to 5th. Uh, he said it was pretty annoying that he'd been made to wait, basically, about that penalty from qualifying for exceeding track limits. Said that he risked, obviously, his car in Q3, used the tyres up in Q3 for something that happened in Q2, and he shouldn't have even been there anyway. So wasn't particularly pleased with the FIA. And someone else who wasn't particularly pleased with the FIA was Sebastian Vessel, who it emerged on Saturday evening. He, 24 hours earlier, had stormed out of the driver's briefing. The FIA issued a summons calling Vettel to see the stewards over his behaviour in the driver's briefing and a breach of the International Sporting Code. That was followed after the hearing by another bulletin by the FAA stewards who issued a suspended €25,000 fine. They confirmed that Vettel had left the driver's briefing without permission, and I think we can safely say that wouldn't have been done in a very quiet and relaxed manner. It also mentioned his behaviour in the meeting and the frustration he showed, and it also said, Drivers at this level are role models for every driver around the world, and in the opinion of the stewards, Vettel failed to live up to that standard in this case. Now, a lot's been said since that came out George Russell spoke about it he said about the inconsistency of the stewards this year there's no accountability because you'll have one set of stewards for a race they'll make a decision and then by the next race when you want to talk about it it's a different set of stewards he also said that we probably need to stop rotating the race director between Niels Vittich and Eduardo Freitas we need to stick with one or the other but I think probably the standout thing from that FIA statement was what they said about Vettel not being a role model now Matt so many times we'll be talking about various stories and everything like that we might do a press conference and you'll often send me a message going Vettel what a good egg or what a good man what a good human being for the morals he's got and everything he stands for although I understand where the FIA are coming from with this and you don't want to see a driver storm out of a driver's briefing to say that Vettel failed to be a role model, what are your thoughts on that? I wholeheartedly disagree. Whether it's you know what Vettel's done on question time, sort of holding the the UK government to account better than anyone else. Whether it's you know he's running a bee helmet here, and that's symbolic of you know his his work or his raising awareness around around climate change. Whether it's visiting sort of young offenders to say he's not a role model. And let's think about context. This is only coming sort of ten days after what Nelson Piquet has said. What what. Yuri Vips has done you know you've got you've got a three-time champion there they released a statement and have potentially taken away his paddock pass whereas with Vettel they've uh, they fined him 25,000 pounds which which 
is a lot for starters and also it's just what what does it say of the direction of the new premiership i thought um i thought they were trying to sort of put distance between themselves and the previous regime whether that's getting rid of rid of michael massey and sort of the sense that the fia there can be no dissent you know we saw we saw uh, after abu dhabi that they put out and go you know it's it's not us it's the fans that have interpreted this wrong and i understand that they have to lay down the the rules somewhere they have to lay down a line and and and, and stop or make an example, perhaps, of Vettel and saying this is not the way drivers should act. But it's it's coming back to this thing: are they are they trying to be separate, or is this the FYA gang? No, you cannot speak out against us. We cannot we cannot be held accountable for everything because we get everything right. And that is what I don't understand. And and again, it's it's all about we're journalists, right? We spend so much of our time writing. We care so so much about words. So the choice of he's you know questioning him as a role model. Those two words specifically, I take huge umbrage with. No, rightly so. I fully agree with you, mate. I think it's, uh, yeah, I understand the FIA's frustration and that they want those drivers' briefings. They need to be done in a certain way. It does seem that some of it came down to, I think it was the pit lane entry line. That's what Toto Wolff said he understood. And he said he wasn't sure, but that's what he'd heard. But it was over this sort of policing of such a minor thing. And in terms of the priorities, the bigger picture, as, as you mentioned there. It, it seems to miss the mark. So, uh, yeah, I'll be very interested to see what Seb has got to say after tomorrow's race. That is the next opportunity we'll get to talk to him. And, uh, yeah, of course, we must now look forward to the Austrian Grand Prix. 71 laps coming up on Sunday. Max Verstappen on pole position with Leclerc and Science starting just behind him. As you said, the data shows that maybe there's a bit of hope for Ferrari to get into the fight there. What kind of race do you think is going to play out? Do you think that, I mean, how marginal on tyres do you think it's going to be? Is there hope to think that Verstappen isn't just going to run away with this? I'm going to say yes because I want it to be a good race. You optimist, you. Uh, absolutely. I suppose to come back to what, right, what I was discussing at the, the start of the podcast and sort of what Ferrari can do, the unknown is tyres. I know it's not a sexy topic, but it is an important one. So, so we've got to talk about it. And that is that Verstappen in FP2 was uh, was on the mediums, and uh, his his uh, average lap time was about a tenth quicker than Leclerc. But Leclerc was doing it on the softs, and there's a Pirelli estimated sort of a three tenth offset between softs and mediums. So that could potentially put Verstappen, you know, over a stint four tenths a lap ahead, which is which is really ominous. The other worrying thing is that Ferrari had all this data on the softs, didn't use them in the sprint. And then the noise coming out of Red Bull is all about how the hard tyres will play a key role in the race. Now, Ferrari and Red Bull haven't run the hard tyres this weekend, so they have no data on them. Red Bull do at least have those extra uh, laps worth of data on the medium tyre from FP2 and, and were quicker on them. So that is the worry. And then if you add in anything else like Ferrari team orders or the pressure cooker of the, you know, of, of the race and the strategy getting wrong or, or who knows, even an engine going up, then... Uh, then uh, it, it looks potentially like a long way back for Leclerc and Sainz tomorrow. But uh, let's not think about that now. Let's be positive. Indeed. Well, I think either way, it's going to be a fascinating race tomorrow. Matt, thank you very much for joining me. And uh, yeah, be sure to check out autosport.com throughout tomorrow. We've got the live blog running. We'll obviously have all of the uh, news analysis throughout the day. Make sure you do also read Matt's fantastic analysis of all of the data from practice. And last but not least, of course, make sure you join us again tomorrow night for the Autosport podcast reviewing... 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All of the action in the Austrian Grand Prix. We will see you then. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.